0: Meet Natalie. She's 40 and battling fatigue, aches and pains all over, and having a lot of trouble getting a good night's sleep. All this has left her completely depressed and not knowing why she feels like she's 80 when she's only 40. After tons of doctors and specialists, she was finally diagnosed with fibromyalgia. She didn't really understand what that meant, and the doctors were unfortunately not super helpful in their explanation, just that it would be a lifelong disease and would likely get worse. She was prescribed Lyrica for pain and depression and then sent on her way. Natalie didn't want to accept this, especially when she didn't see any improvement after taking the medication. In fact, she actually felt worse. She started doing her own research and that is when she came to see me. She wanted to know what she could do naturally and if there was hope. She has read that fibromyalgia can present itself in many ways and that some have a true imbalance that's not fixable but I told her that there's a lot that we can do and we just had to connect all the pieces so we can get to the bottom of this and solve the underlying cause. Every year, thousands of people are told there's no explanation for their health concerns and no way to fix them. They feel frustrated, undermined, and lost. I know because that was me before I figured out the actual causes and reclaimed my health. Now, I help others do the same. I'm Ina Toppler, and this is Health Mystery Solved. We just heard about Natalie, her fatigue, sensitivity to what seems like everything, and constant aches and pains. Joining me on the show today to chat more about her case is Dr. Roger Murphy from YourFiberDoctor.com. He's a board-certified chiropractic physician and nutritional specialist who has written five books for both patients and doctors, including Treating and Beating Fibromyalgia and Chronic Fatigue Syndrome, Heart Disease, What Your Doctors Won't Tell You, and Treating and Beating Anxiety and Depression with Orthomolecular Medicine. Using a combination of functional medicine, the right nutritional supplements, diet and testing, known as the Murphy Method, he's helped thousands of patients get healthy and feel good again. Dr. Murphy, welcome.
1: I'm so delighted to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for being here. So fibromyalgia is a diagnosis that many more people receive these days, but it can be quite confusing and often used as a blanket diagnosis when doctors can't figure out the reason behind a person's symptoms. Can you tell us more about what fibromyalgia is?
1: Absolutely. You know, unfortunately, there are a number of doctors who still don't believe in fibromyalgia. That's unfortunate, but, but true. And the doctors that do recognize fibromyalgia really don't know what to do with them because the, really what fibromyalgia is, it's a syndrome made up of a group of symptoms that people have in common and we label it fibromyalgia. And these common symptoms are diffuse, achy, sometimes disabling pain, fatigue, insomnia, restless just like syndrome, irritable bowel, low moods. These things um, come under the banner called fibromyalgia and Because there's so many symptoms, it baffles many doctors and and challenges many doctors, and that presents a challenge for them really to know exactly what to do for these patients. So many of them will label them as you know hypochondriac or somebody that is just lazy, crazy, or or maybe just depressed.
0: Yeah, it's so unfortunate, but you're right; that happens all the time, and I think that. It makes sense, too, that because there's so many symptoms and the symptoms are so varied, it makes sense that conventionally, you know, doctors don't know what to do because oftentimes if there is a diagnosis, there's typically some type of a medicine, right, to treat that. But with symptoms that are all across the board like this, there just can't be a medication that addresses all of it, right?
1: Absolutely. And I think that's what's so frustrating both for doctors and for patients is that doctors have come to the realization that you... You, the drugs are a dead end at least long term. And patients have come to the realization that drug therapy, at least drug therapy alone is not going to be able to help them. And in the medical profession, really it's all about now telling patients that you just have to learn to live with it. Well, you know, nobody wants to learn to live with pain and low energy and irritable bowel, leg syndrome and poor sleep you know, that's really not living. That's just existing. So it's, you know, it's a, it's, I think it's challenging for both the patient and doctors. And, um, you know, fibromyalgia is, as you mentioned earlier, sometimes is a waste paper diagnosis, people just finally after going to on average 12 doctors in seven years, what it used to be, it's gotten the, the time frame has gotten uh, sooner. Now people are, are getting a diagnosis quicker, but um, it, it really is a diagnosis of elimination. And uh, during that elimination process, uh, patients are usually passed from one doctor to the next and they become pretty hopeless.
0: Yeah, I could definitely see that. And especially because it sounds like, you know, there's not really a way to diagnose it exactly. It's more by elimination, which is why it takes so long.
1: Exactly. So most of the time patients will present with normal blood work and, uh, you know, they'll go to the to to the different specialists and the doctors will make sure they don't have any type of autoimmune disease, make sure they don't have lupus or or riders or Sjogren's or, or, um, rheumatoid arthritis. And those tests typically come back normal and the doctor will say, well, you know, everything is normal. So I believe you have fibromyalgia. Now, once they get that diagnosis, that really presents a, a whole nother world because when you get that rubber stamp on your forehead that says you have fibromyalgia, oftentimes, sadly, you get treated in a different way. You get treated as maybe sometimes as a drug seeker or a hypochondriac or someone who um, you know just just is depressed. And um, so it, the, the diagnosis is really a mixed bag.
0: Are there different types of fibromyalgia? Some people say that there could be more true fibromyalgia where the brain is really not understanding the signals and creating pain, and then other types of fibromyalgia where something else is going on in the body. What do you think about that?
1: You know, I really believe with fibromyalgia, it's, it's, a, it's a very uh, a large banner that people can come underneath that. And in true fibromyalgia, what is happening is a thing called central sensitivity pain syndrome, where for whatever reason, and typically it's, it's stress, and I'll talk more about that, but their, their pain threshold is become very, very low. So that pain is magnified and little things that normally wouldn't bother them start to bother them in the beginning. Maybe they get some tight aching muscle pain in the shoulders and And then that progresses to now they get pain in their legs and they get pain and or tingling in their hands and feet and the bottom and, and the bottom of their feet. And as they get further and further run down, what they see is they become more and more sensitive to not only pain, but as you mentioned earlier in the case you were describing, now they become overly sensitive to any kind of stimulation, any kind of stressors, changes in the weather, bright lights, noises, these things that normally wouldn't give them any problem. Now they see that stress becomes so magnified that it starts to affect their health in a negative way.
0: Gotcha. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. So it's basically that, you know, it's not that they're born with it and their brain is not understanding the signals. It's just because of different types of stressors, I'm assuming probably both emotional, physical, environmental, that they become more sensitive over time. So really... When sometimes people say that there's true fibromyalgia versus just the, you know, quote unquote, regular fibromyalgia, it's sort of the same thing, right?
1: I believe it is. I believe that it's very hard to separate the two. If we look at how stress, the role that stress plays in fibromyalgia, if if you look at how the the role that stress plays in, in, in health, I mean, stress is really the catalyst for most diseases if you look at it. It's the trigger for most inflammatory reactions that we have in the body, which inflammation is probably the driver of most every illness that's out there. But in particular with fibromyalgia, what we see in that population is that many of them have lost their plasticity to stress. They had maybe a challenging childhood and it could be that they had um, some type of illness, chronic illness growing up, or they were in, a, in a, uh, an abusive household, uh, it, but but whatever it was in their childhood, the stressor that they that they endured, they have lost their ability to rebound to stress. So as they get older, what they find is at some point there's a straw that breaks the camel's back, a stressor that comes along. It could be chronic stress. It could be that they were a caregiver to uh, a special needs child or a caregiver to a, uh, an elderly parent or spouse, a surgery you know, past surgery, whether that's hysterectomy or back surgery, an accident, some type of trauma, or uh, the stress of being in a difficult relationship, whether that's a marriage or in, you know, maybe an office situation, but something comes along and the stress takes these, uh, what I call their stress coping chemicals out of them, they bankrupt them. And when that happens, you start to see these changes in the body to where they lose the ability to be able to deal with stress and their pain threshold becomes very, very low so that pain is magnified. We know if we look at surveys of fibromyalgia patients, up to 70% of them will say that stress, whether that was chronic stress or acute stress, like I mentioned earlier, a surgery or an illness or something that came along, when that happened, that was the beginning of the thing we call fibromyalgia. And typically what we see is, that for most of those patients, the initial thing is pain, pain that maybe is manageable early on, but then it starts to affect their sleep. And for me, for if you want to use the word true fibromyalgia, someone that really has fibromyalgia, one of the things that has to be checked off for me to get the diagnosis is that they have to struggle with their sleep, either, either falling asleep or staying asleep. Now, I'm You know, everyone, I think from time to time has some difficulty with their sleep, but in the case of fibromyalgia patients, this is a chronic situation to where they really never, ever wake up feeling refreshed. And because of that, as this becomes a chronic pattern, they start to see that they bankrupt again, these things I call their stress coping chemicals. If they're not careful, what they see now is the different systems that are dependent on them getting rest they start to be compromised, including their GI system. So they develop IBS, their neurotransmitter, their brain chemicals. So now they may have low moods or become anxious. Um, So it's a vicious cycle. You know, it's a vicious cycle that starts to be set in these patients. And oftentimes, unfortunately, there's no way out, at least not in the traditional medical practice
0: hmm yeah I love how you explain this and I think you know just for everyone listening it's it's really that sort of overflowing bucket analogy that we always talk about on this podcast that you know it starts with something like a stressor and I know a lot of times we think oh yeah it's just stress but we have to realize the stress comes from all angles right it's not just emotional but it's the physical like a surgery or abuse um you know there's even certain energetic stressors from just our environments and EMfs and things like that and once that starts and our bucket fills up eventually you put that one last thing in the bucket, and it's like what you were saying, Dr. Murphy, it's like the straw that breaks the camel's back, then the bucket starts to overflow. And when that happens, you know, that's when all of those symptoms start. So that that really makes sense what you're explaining. Now, if someone has the fibromyalgia diagnosis, and like you were saying, they have these symptoms, including the sleep issues that you feel like they need to have to have the diagnosis. What are some of the things that they could do? I know that conventionally there's not as much, but obviously functionally with what we all do, there's a ton and there's tons of hope. So I'd love for you to share how people would start and, you know, where they would go.
1: Well, the first thing is you got to change your mindset. You got to realize that you can, as I mentioned earlier, you cannot drug your way out of fibromyalgia and people come to that conclusion oftentimes after years, sometimes decades of having the illness. And as I mentioned, doctors have now come to that conclusion. We thought that the Lyrica, the Symbaltas, these different medications that are out there were going to be the answer. And what we found is those medications oftentimes create side effects and then create more health problems. Doctors see that, and that's why they're telling patients to learn to live with it. Really, the only hope, the only hope for those with fibromyalgia is to get healthy. And that sounds so simplistic, and a lot of people who have fibromyalgia when they hear that they you know they're already kind of jaded because they've tried so many things that haven't worked, and uh, when they hear that they they you know they they really are a little upset that someone even would say something like that. But when I say that they have to get healthy, that really is the case um, because what you have to do is you have to fix the underlying causes of the symptoms. As, as you know, Ina, the the symptoms are just warning signs that something's gone wrong in the body. That's that's all. It's like the oil light in your car. It's a warning sign that's, you know, you need to take action, you need to fix fix the problem. You know, you can cover up the oil light with a magic marker and you keep driving and now, you know, the symptom is not there, but eventually there's going to be a price to pay. And when we see with fibromyalgia, trying to suppress the symptoms with medications, you know, there's so many daggum symptoms. Before you know it, these patients are on half a dozen to a dozen drugs. A drug to put them to sleep, a drug to what you know to wake them up, a drug to slow them down, a drug to speed them up. Uh, the only way, the only way is to get healthy. And that means different things to different people. But here's some, here are some common things that have to happen for patients with fibromyalgia to really see uh, some and oftentimes dramatic benefit in their in reducing their symptoms and and feeling good again. And number one, place to start is deep restorative sleep. If you're not getting deep restorative sleep, you increase your inflammatory chemicals by minimum of 40% so you have more pain. If you're not getting deep restorative sleep, obviously you're going to be lethargic, run down and tired. If you're not getting deep restorative sleep, we start to see patients, uh, their metabolism is compromised. So you might gain weight or you might just see you just don't have a lot of, you you lose that stamina or resiliency to stress. Those stressors become... Become magnified. If you're not getting that deep restored to sleep, you tend to have more brain fog, more mental clarity issues. Um, one of the things that really has to happen for fibromyalgia is you have to restore these serotonin levels. Serotonin is a brain chemical, it's what we call a happy hormone. And the higher your serotonin level, the higher your pain threshold because it suppresses a hormone called substance P. Substance P, when it's left unchecked, it it causes you to have more pain. So serotonin is super important, and you have more serotonin receptors in your intestinal tract than you do in your brain. That's why when you get nervous, you know, you get butterflies in your stomach. And so this, this chemical called serotonin is super important for those with fibromyalgia, because when you start to raise that chemical, you see that their pain threshold goes up so their pain goes down. You see that when the serotonin level goes up, they're less anxious, they're happier, they have more mental clarity, and they also see that IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, tends to improve because serotonin regulates how fast or how slow food moves through your intestinal tract. So serotonin is one of the key things that has to be addressed, low serotonin, in the fibromyalgia community. And if you don't do that, then you really are not going to be able to make much progress. And, uh, uh, unfortunately the way that conventional medicine tries to address the low serotonin states is with antidepressants, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, like Selexa and Paxil and, um, effects or Cymbalta, these other medications. The, the problem with those medications, as you know, is those medications are like using a gasoline additive. They don't make serotonin. They only help you hang on to what serotonin you have in your brain. And if you're, you know, if you don't have any serotonin because you've been so run down for years, you had not slept in years and, you know, you're under a tremendous amount of stress from this illness, maybe taking medications that are depleting these chemicals. Then if you're using a gasoline additive in an empty gasoline tank, it's not going to work.
0: Exactly. So what are some things that people can do to help to naturally boost serotonin and help to even create more serotonin?
1: Well, it's kind of ironic because you got, you got to get deep restorative sleep. When you get deep restorative delta wave sleep, that's when you start making deposits into your stress coping savings account. And one of the things you're depositing is serotonin. When you rest, when you get enough rest, Your body has the ability to take the food that you eat, as long as you're eating healthy. (laughs) Uh, But You're taking amino acids, and one of those amino acids is called tryptophan. So amino acids are in protein, and that tryptophan, when combined with certain B vitamins and magnesium and vitamin C, that turns into serotonin. So the, the challenge is, is getting that deep restorative sleep. For my patients... I like to use an over-the-counter product called 5-hydroxytryptophan or 5-HTP. Now, L-tryptophan that I just mentioned a moment ago, that should turn into 5-HTP. And then when the 5-HTP is combined with these other nutrients, that's what makes serotonin. That's where it comes from. So rather than using a gasoline additive that may or may not work because you probably don't have any serotonin in your tank, why not fill up your tank? Why not fill up your brain with serotonin? By just using the 5-HTP and a good multivitamin, that's where they should start. And 5-HTP will increase your natural sleep hormone melatonin by 200%. So by using that, just just that one little you know this one little protocol here uh, should help you get into a deeper sleep, start making deposits into your stress coping savings account, start raising your serotonin level. So as your serotonin level goes up your pain threshold goes up and you have less pain.
0: That's great. Now, how do you recommend that people start with 5-HTP? Is there a certain dosage that you recommend and then do they go up from there or how do you typically do those protocols?
1: So typically I have my patients start with 100 milligrams and I have them take that 30 minutes before bed with a little bit of grape juice, just maybe an ounce mixed with with enough water to, to swallow that capsule. And what they should see is within 30 minutes or so, they should fall asleep and sleep through the night. Now that's ideal. It doesn't always happen that way. <laughs> but uh, they start with 100. If, if they don't fall asleep in the 30, 45 minutes, then the next night they go to two. And the next night they go to three. Ideally, what we see is somewhere between 100 milligrams and 300, their sleep improves to where they're able to fall asleep quicker and sleep through the night. Now, there are some individuals who will take Five HTP instead of making them sleepy, it will make them more alert. It's a very small percentage, maybe two or three percent of people who try five HTP at bedtime where well, they have that that happen. Part of that is because they can't break that five HTP down in the liver. Um, it's not, you know, it, it's uh, typically people with chemical sensitivity issues. And for those people, if that happens, and you'll know it the first night, if that happens, then I recommend patients take it during the day with food. So just start out taking 100 milligrams with food. It won't make you feel dopey or sleepy during the day. And then as long as you don't have any kind of reaction to the 5-HTP after a few days taking it with food, then you increase it to 100 milligrams three times a day. It will still start to build up the serotonin in your system, and it will also start to help your circadian rhythm, including the production of melatonin, even if you're taking it during the day.
0: Is there an upper limit to 5-HTP?
1: Uh, you know, I think there's the, the the more the question is, when does it become unhelpful? You know, so some people will get up to 500 milligrams and I wouldn't go above that because I don't really see the benefit going above that. For some individuals that I work with with uh, chronic depression, depression disorders and, and some challenges like that, then I will get them on up to 500 milligrams either all at bedtime or spaced throughout the day. But once you get above 500 milligrams, I don't really think – there's a benefit to it once you reach that level.
0: Got it. And are there any contraindications? And are you noticing any side effects when people take that?
1: So it's interesting because when I, my book came out in 2003, and it's now in its fifth edition, but it was the first edition came out in 2003, and I put in there, you know, if you're taking an antidepressant, don't take 5-HTP. Well, the problem with that, in is when I travel and I. And I for two years, I traveled throughout North America speaking to different support groups and different book signings and these kind of things. And when I would speak, uh, about 5-HTP and, and taking that, I, I would hear, well, I can't take it because I'm on an antidepressant. And when I realized, you know, and this is still true today, most everybody, you know, one in 10 females is on an antidepressant. Some of them are on more than one, they're on two. Uh, I realized everybody's on antidepressants. So if they, are on an antidepressant, they can't take the 5-HTP. The truth is that you will read that online. But if you will talk to doctors like myself, who have been doing this for two decades, who are in the trenches with people who have dis, uh, mood disorders and or have fibromyalgia, what you see is it's very rare that they'll ever have a problem taking 5-HTP with an antidepressant. And I can count on my hand, um, oh, maybe maybe two hands because I've probably think six people over the last 20 years of using 5-HTP mixed with antidepressants that anybody's had a tr- had trouble with that. Uh, but you will read that online and it's enough to scare people. So, uh, you know, I do want to mention that, but I've got thousands of people taking 5-HTP uh, around the world. I work with patients all over the world by phone and rarely ever is there a problem. The problem can come in for a very small percentage of people that if they take 5-HTP, and make them feel nauseated. Now, the reasons that happened is because you have serotonin receptors in your intestinal tract, as well as your brain. And some people, when they take it, take the take the uh, 5-HTP, it's it's triggering these receptors in their in their uh, intestinal tract, and it makes them feel nauseated. Some people it triggers headaches. Uh, both of those potential side effects typically go away within a few days, and I don't see them very often, but they can show up interesting though 5HTP has been a godsend for a lot of people with headaches chronic headaches including migraines yes there are some potential side effects i think they're minor and are there contraindications in the clinical realm you know where the rubber meets the road i would say no
0: that's great to know. Now, with sleep, if someone is on the right dosage of five HTP, do you find that that helps most people start to get sleep or are there any other supplements that you would recommend on top of that to help?
1: Uh, amazingly, the five htp uh, uh, alone can be a game changer for many people, especially fiber in particular fibromyalgia. Uh, for those with insomnia issues, then maybe not be as as clear-cut because I think oftentimes melatonin may, cut right to the chase. But for those with a fibromyalgia, if they get up to 300 milligrams of 5-HTP and they're still not sleeping through the night, that's when I would add this sleep hormone melatonin. And I like for my patients to use sublingual melatonin where they can let that dissolve underneath their tongue. There's many, many brands out there that have a sublingual type of melatonin. And they typically start with three to five milligrams and they can go up to 12 milligrams if they need to of the melatonin along with Five HTP. Now, there's some difficult patients out there as you as you run into it every day, like yeah. that. and so there's other things that I've developed. I've had to develop unique products that help with uh, sleep for those difficult people who they take the five HTP and the melatonin and they still can't fall asleep, or you know even probably more common are the people who who start falling asleep for the first time in a long time, but are still waking up at you know three o'clock in the morning and you know up for two hours before they can go back to sleep. So there are some other products that are helpful, but you know, the place to start is definitely 5-HTP and then if needed, add that melatonin.
0: Great. And then once people are starting to sleep, and so they're getting that restorative sleep and they're putting the serotonin back in, and they're sort of starting to replenish their, you know, stress bank accounts, so to speak, what is the next step that you recommend?
1: Well, it's amazing to see the transformation of people and oftentimes, you know, these people have not slept for, gosh, decades, can you imagine? Uh, many of them are on sleep medications, which even on the sleep medications, they're not sleeping with. So they're taking Ambien or Lunesta or tricyclic antidepressants or benzodiazepine like Ativan or Xanax. And they still are not sleeping very well. 5-HTP and melatonin are not contraindicated with those medications. Now, I, I, you know, I want to preface, I should preface that. Work with somebody that knows what they're doing using these, these, uh, these nutrients work with somebody, I, I encourage you to get a coach, get a, get somebody to work with. But it's amazing to see that just that combination of 5-HTP and then sometimes melatonin will have dramatic effects on fibromyalgia in lowering their pain when they get that deep sleep, uh, helping with irritable bowel, helping with mental clarity, and helping with moods. But the next step is typically what we see is once someone starts to sleep, uh, for the first, first time, like I said, it could be, you know, in years, they overdo it, which is natural. You know, once you start feeling better and you hadn't felt better in a long time, you, you, you do things that you hadn't been able to do. And oftentimes that means going shopping. You know, it's sad, but many, many of the patients that I encounter, uh, either through lecturing or working with a patient doctor relationship, they have become so run down, so sick, that they become recluses, you know, they, they they're they're hermits. They hibernate in their house. They don't go out because they're concerned if they do. Well, number one, they don't have the energy. But if they do have the energy and they go do something, then they have the what we call a fibro flare, which just sets them back for two, three, four, five days, and they come to realize it's not worth it. So, along with filling up their stress coping savings account, which you do when you go into deeper, restorative sleep, then they need to make sure that they start to address their stress coping glands, which they are adrenal glands. So the adrenal glands, as you know so well, uh, the adrenal glands play such an important role in our health. These little tiny little glands, they're you know, size of peas sitting on top of the kidneys. They release certain hormones that allow us to be able to handle stress. And if you, if you have chronic stress over the years, what you can see is that these adrenal glands, these stress coping glands, get to where they can't keep up with the demand. And eventually you get this thing called adrenal fatigue. And now you don't have these chemicals in particular, cortisol and DHEA to allow you to have that stamina to be able to handle stress. So for my patients, uh, you know, I start to work on that adrenal fatigue issue with high doses, but the right doses and combinations of vitamins, minerals, amino acids, and essential fatty acids and over-the-counter glandulars that start to repair that 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 uh, adrenal fatigue issue.
0: Uh, tell me a little bit more about the glandulars. I know that's something you and I talked about on a previous interview for a summit, and um, there was a very interesting thing you mentioned about different types of glandulars, and some of them can actually cause anxiety versus others. Tell everyone listening a little bit more about
1: that. Well, so I got a real education in this. Uh, I wouldn't, wouldn't want to have it, anybody else to co- go through it, but For a number of years, I had a very large integrated medical practice here in Birmingham. And at that time, so I had medical doctors working for me and we were able to use a combination of natural things and prescriptions. Now, I I learned the hard way that the prescription medications had a price to pay on the back end. And so in 2003, I sold my medical practice and I've done it naturally ever since. But one of the things we use in the beginning days when I was working with patients with uh, prescription medications and naturals was cortisol or Cortef. Now, Cortef is a steroid and people are probably f- familiar with cortisone, but Cortef is one fifth the strength of synthetic prednisone. People are familiar with prednisone probably that had a sinus infection or you know, um, maybe had upper respiratory infection, or maybe they had a a low back pain or something like that, where you get a dose pack and you take that over five or six day period. The problem with that medication is it has potential side effects, weight gain, water retention, irritability, insomnia, uh, suppress your immune system. All those things go with that. Cortisol or Cortef, as I mentioned, is one fifth the strength. It's the natural form of cortisol that's in your body. And if you, if you dose it the right way, you don't see those side effects. The problem is, for me anyway, was uh, once I sold my medical practice, I didn't have anybody to boss around that could recommend the different medications I thought patients needed, the prescriptions. And so I had to figure out, what can I use naturally that will allow my patients to work on their adrenal glands that's that's not a prescription? You know, that's not that they can get over the counter. And I experimented with different different things over the years. Uh, And what I came up with is adrenal glandulars. And in particular, adrenal cortex glandular. So just a little bit of of anatomy that you know so well in physiology. In the adrenal glands, you have two lobes. So you have the cortex and you have the medulla. And in chronic stress, stress, what we're really focused on is the cortex. And the cortex, that lobe is responsible for producing cortisol and DHEA and, and some other hormones as well. But primarily the two stress coping hormones, cortisol and DHEA um, the medulla is responsible for immediate stress, releasing adrenaline. So when you have someone try to, you know, come up, uh, come up behind you in, on a darkened sh- street and you turn around and they're, you know, and they're there, you, you know, you, you, you have this fight or flight reaction, you know, you just, your adrenaline starts to race and you're, you know, you, you have this, uh, sense of, of fear. Well, adrenaline is important, but You don't want to have adrenaline racing through your body all the time. That's exhausting, right? And when I recommend adrenal glandulars, which you can get over the counter, you want to make sure that the adrenal glandular is just the cortex, because if you take a whole glandular, you're going to get the adrenaline and the cortisol, okay? And that's going to cause the person to have even more adrenal fatigue.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that because that's something a lot of people don't realize. And unfortunately, there's a lot of over-the-counter supplements that are the whole adrenal that have both. And so many people with fibromyalgia and adrenal issues, you know, they're fatigued, but they also have the anxiety piece. It's sort of that like tired, wired. And, you know, I think it's just so important what you're saying. We have to be so careful about doing things that actually have an adrenaline stimulating component to them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that's one of the things you see, as you said, tired and wired. I mean, that's that is your typical fibromyalgia patient. They have all this internal stress, and that that could be for several people. You know, listening to this to this podcast, you have this internal stress where you just can't turn it off. And one of the best things you can do to help your health, both mentally and physically, is to start to work on that this unrelenting. Whether it's anxiety or not, it could be true anxiety, but just this inner stress, that inner stress is so exhausting. And not only is it exhausting, but what you're doing is you're depleting your stress coping chemicals faster than you can make them. So you're at the risk of developing all sorts of health issues, creating inflammation, leaky gut. All sorts of things start to show up when you're generating all these stress chemicals from this worry and stress that you can't control through different means, whether that's meditation, exercise, or taking over-the-counter natural supplements like L-theanine or gamma-immunobutric acid, so many things that are out there that can help you calm your system down so that you're able to handle stress.
0: Absolutely. And it's so important. And for everyone listening, we talk a lot about this on the podcast and that it's really kind of like a half half uh, approach, you know, where there's wonderful supplements like theanine and magnesium to be calming, but then it's also the mind body aspect of it. So it's how we can maybe think about stuff and respond versus react and reframe things. And then, you know, lots of things like meditation and breathing and journaling that are going to be so helpful. It's really about kind of doing a little bit of both of those. We can't rely, you know, even though the supplements are natural, it can't just be that it has to be this combination approach, um, which is so, so important. Now, Dr. Murphy, can you tell us a little bit about the endocannabinoid system? Um, how does that relate to fibromyalgia?
1: Well, you, you can't go anywhere without reading about CBD. So CBD is just everywhere. And, um, and it's going to get even more, more prominent, I think, because we're seeing a, a tremendous amount of research that's coming out talking about this endocannabinoid system, this inborn system that we have. That is really a system that kind of regulates the different bodily systems that, that we have. Whether that's to regulate your body temperature, your sleep-wake cycle, your digestion, your your um, pain threshold, we have a hormonal system that's driven by certain hormones that we have that we have in our in our bodies. Uh, and and this endocannabinoid system can be altered. By taking phytocannabinoids, which are CBD. Now I tell you, uh, and I think I shared this with you before. It took me a long time to jump on board because um, I was—I grew up in the '60s, and and I did inhale. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I know I don't. You know, I—I I, when I heard about everything that was going on with CBD, and you know, I had a false idea about it. That number one, it was a much ado about nothing, and then number two that it was it was more the medical marijuana and the thc and you know i did that i don't don't ever want to go back and do that it's not something that for me you know i have no interest in that and i think for my patients i think it's about finding and fixing the underlying causes of their symptoms and i don't think if i had I didn't, you know at that time been thinking if i had a, a cbd deficiency but what I've learned and uh, from patients that shared with me their success stories, and I had no choice, kicking and screaming, to go do the research, it took about a year to do it, um, was that, um, number one, we have this internal system. It's already there. It's already, we already have it. It's there. So it definitely is something that God gave us that can be affected by. Um, and can affect and can affect our health in a in a positive way or a negative way. And what we have found is that hemp hemp oil um, is different than the marijuana plant. They're from the same family, but the hemp oil has less than 0.03% THC. So it can't get you high. I don't care how many how much oil you take or how many tablets, you know, gel caps you consume, you're not going to get a buzz from hemp oil. Um, but what we have found is by using hemp, hemp alone, is that you can, you can write an errant endocannabinoid system that has been to come run down due to stress or poor health. You can supply these phyto, these plant-based chemicals that the body normally would be producing, but for whatever reason you've gotten run down, you can supply them. And now just like plugging up little uh, holes in your body that are, that, you know, need, you know, they need these nutrients when you're taking these substances, what you see is it, depending on what, what your deficiency is. But for some people, they see a dramatic reduction in their pain because it starts to fix their, their pain threshold. Some people see a dramatic re- uh, uh, improvement in their sleep because it starts to right their circadian rhythm. So I think there's a tremendous amount of potential for CBD cannabinoids. And we're just on the tip of the iceberg. I think there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of garbage out there, uh, a lot of trash out there. And I, you know, I was determined to develop products for my patients that would be incredibly transparent, that I could feel good about and that they could. So I think you want to make sure if you if you do start to turn to those, those products, make sure you get one that's, you know, third-party tested, it, it needs to be all organic. Uh, hemp plants are aggregators, bio-aggregators, which mean they absorb everything around them. When Chernobyl happened, one of the things they did is they planted all this hemp to absorb all those toxins. So one of the things you wanna be aware of is is you wanna know where your, where your CBD comes from. Um, you want to make sure that it's organic. If not, it's gonna be tainted, and then you want to make sure whoever you're using can supply you with third-party testing to make sure that it doesn't have pesticides or it doesn't, if you know, here in Alabama, it has to be hundred percent THC free. So all the products here that I use my patients and then ship you know North America are THC free. But I really believe that this movement is going to turn medicine upside down. And that sounds pretty dramatic, but what we're seeing is, that people are realizing how powerful nutrition can be. And I think this movement is so big that people are going to change their paradigm about nutritional medicine.
0: For sure, for sure. And that's so helpful in terms of you explaining about CBD and what to look for because it is definitely becoming a big market. And like you said, probably is going to get much, much bigger. And there are so many products out there. And I think most people probably don't know what it is that they need to look for. And sometimes, you know, there's products that don't cost a lot and there's products that are very, very pricey. But, you know, price alone, and of course, obviously for the product to, you know, be really good quality, I'm sure it does have to cost a little bit more, but you can't go by price. Alone, you have to really look at somebody. You
1: know, uh, you know, if you go on Amazon, you're going to see three thousand different hemp products. Three thousand. So everyone is trying to get in on this because it's going to be a multi-multi billion dollar industry. It's going to shake up the pharmaceutical industry. Pharmaceutical companies are, you know, they're stumbling over each other, spending millions of dollars trying to take this this endocannabinoid system that we have, we already have it inside of us and figure out how do we tweak it? We can use different, in their case, it's going to be a drug, but we don't have to rely on that. We can use a nutritional product. Um, but then the challenge comes in is how do you separate, you know, the, what's the, the good from the bad, you know, so what, you know, what we did, this is, this is what I was determined to do every, every batch of the cbd that we have that i have for my patients has got a qr code on the bottle either the oil or the gel caps and you can take a picture of that qr code and from that it will generate there's a nine-page report that will tell you exactly everything that's in that bottle and will tell you whether it's got all the cannabinoids in there so there's 80 different cannabinoids not just cbd and you want to have all those or as many as you can, because we know it's the whole plant that has all these health benefits. Um, but that's what you want to look for. You want to look for a company that's going to have that transparency. And if you do that, then you're going to get your money's worth. It, it may cost more, you know, because, you know, premium product is going to cost more. But what you're looking for are results, whether that's for osteoarthritis, uh, insomnia, fibromyalgia, tendinitis, fell back, you know, whatever it is. You want the results. It really is important that you take the time to find a quality product.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And for everyone listening, I'm going to put information about uh, the CBD um, that Dr. Murphy's talking about in the show notes so you guys can all see that. Dr. Murphy, as we wrap up here, can you give everyone your uh, best three pieces of advice um, if they're dealing with fibromyalgia?
1: I, I think, number one, don't give up. That's number one. Sounds simple, but don't give up. And then number two, you've got to realize that the only way you're ever going to have a chance to overcome fibromyalgia, and that means different things to different people. So I think once you get fibromyalgia, it's a lifelong challenge, but that doesn't mean you can't get your life back. But if you want to to get your life back and do, do the things that you used to be able to do with not having fibromyalgia, run your life and, you know, you actually can, can run, you know, take charge of your life. Um, you got to get healthy. And then number three, you, you really need to get a health coach. So you need to get somebody that can help you navigate what is health for you because everybody's different. But the, you know, the thing is you've got to figure out what are the underlying causes of your symptoms and that's going to take some detective work, working with somebody who can help you figure that out. But if you'll do those three things, number one, I mean, just number one, don't give up. N- number two, realize that you have to get healthy, which you can do on your own by changing your diet. You can. There's all sorts of resources out there to help you with that. And then number three, find a health coach that you can work with, a doctor or you know, some type of health professional who you resonate with. Ask them to help you start to find the underlying reasons why you can't get a good night's sleep. What are the underlying reasons why you have such a low energy? Is it because you have a problem in your thyroid or your adrenal glands? What's the reason why you have irritable bowel syndrome? Is that because you have, you know, leaky gut or you have, you know, you have a problem with malabsorption and you'd be taking digestive enzymes or you have SIBO or yeast overgrowth? Find those underlying things and start to address them and watch the miracles start to happen. It's amazing.
0: Yeah, it really, really is. It's really all about getting to that root. And I talk a lot about this throughout this podcast. You know, the answers really are out there and there is hope. You just have to get to the root and look in the right place. Well, Dr. Murphy, thank you so much for all this information. I so appreciate you being here and providing all this great information to everyone listening.
1: Well, you are a delight. And I'm just so happy to have been here. And I hope I, I was able to offer some hope to some of those individuals out there with fibromyalgia or chronic illness to realize that, you know, don't, don't give up. Just keep looking for the answers and, and you'll find them.
0: As we just heard, fibromyalgia is often the result of a nervous system that has gone awry. And the pain and fatigue are just some of the symptoms that are created when there's a disconnect between how the nervous system processes messages from the brain. Thankfully, this is fixable, and I will tell you more about what we did for Natalie in just a second. But first, if you want to find out or learn more about my guest, Dr. Roger Murphy, please visit healthmysterysolve.com and go to episode number 26. There you'll see all the detailed show notes and resources that he and I discussed on the show. And for Natalie, we needed to start with her sleep. It's very hard to get your energy back when sleep is disturbed, and so I started her on 100 milligrams of 5-HTP at bedtime. She noticed a slight improvement after a few days, so we raised it to 200 milligrams a night. We also added 200 milligrams of L-theanine alongside of that, and I educated her on good sleep hygiene, where she would wear light-blocking glasses for 30 minutes before bed and be mindful about dimming the lights and avoiding using electronics or watching TV for about 30 minutes before bed. Instead, she could relax in bed, reading in dim light, or listening to music to help preserve her melatonin because melatonin, which is our sleep hormone, is destroyed by light, especially that light that's emitted from electronic devices like the cell phones and the tablets. After two weeks, she reported falling asleep a lot easier and staying asleep most of the night. Once we had the sleep down we started to support her adrenals. We did a salivary cortisol test and I saw that her cortisol level was very low, something I expected based on her symptoms. So we used an adrenal product called Adrenol from Orthomolecular Labs. And I worked with Natalie on stress coping techniques specifically for her who used breathing and journaling. She was trying to work out, but I actually asked her to take it easy and not do any strenuous workouts for a few weeks to help rest and rebuild her adrenals. She also read a lot about CBD and has been taking a CBD oil. But after looking at the type she was using, we saw that it was not organic and it was also fairly weak compared to other products that were available on the market. So we changed her to the Colorado Hemp Oil by Quicksilver Scientific. It's a liposomal formula that absorbs very quickly and she saw a difference in her pain after making the switch. There are tons of CBD products on the market today and many more are coming each day. It's really wonderful to have these at our disposal as this could help so many elements. But if you're using CBD, just make sure that you get a good quality brand where you could see the certificates of analysis to make sure that it really contains the amount it claims on the label and that it doesn't have any toxins or molds that can sometimes come with some of these subpar brands. In addition to the supplements, we worked on Natalie's diet, removing gluten and processed sugar, and making sure her foods came from more natural sources when possible. She was also drinking tap water, so I asked her to change to a better water source. We want to avoid using plastics, so I recommend either getting water in glass jugs, that's actually something that I do here in my house, we use a company called Health Waters that's local here to New York and New Jersey, but I'm sure that wherever you are there should be a company that delivers spring water and glass. Another great option is a filter called AquaTrue. It uses reverse osmosis technology and the great thing about it is that it doesn't require any installation or plumbing under the sink. It sits right on your counter. I'll put their site in the show notes so you guys can take a look. Just four weeks after we started working on this, Natalie was feeling so much better. She was sleeping again, her energy improved, and her pain was about 50% better. We are continuing the adrenal support and will be working on cleansing her liver next using a product called LiftOn by Standard Process. It's super gentle for sensitive people like herself, but still very effective. I am really excited to see her pain improve even more in the coming weeks. If Natalie sounds like someone you know, please share this episode with them and make sure you subscribe to the show because the next health mystery I uncover could be one you or someone you love is dealing with right now. If you guys like the show, I would also really, really appreciate if you could go on iTunes and rate and review the podcast. The reviews really help spread the word so that more people can learn about the possible answers and know that they're not alone in their health journey. When it comes to solving your health issues, please don't give up. The answers are out there and there is hope. I'm Ina Toppler. Thank you so much for listening and see you next week on Health Mystery Solved. All information, content, and material on this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to
1: serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a qualified physician or healthcare provider.